0: All right, we've been talking about why smart people make such dumb decisions sometimes. And, and I want you to feel affirmed because number one is uh, you're smart. I know you are. Uh, you're bright. And uh, you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you didn't have a heart towards God and you didn't love God. But truth be told, all of us in this room tonight, and I'd be at the front of the line, would say we've made decisions that we wish we could go back and undo or redo. And so we've just been talking about how uh, God created the human body and about how in this human body were created body, soul, and spirit and uh, how all of that has been working together. And I'm not going to spend time reviewing all of that. Again, you can pick it up free of charge on iTunes if you just go to the website. but. We started talking about how there were influences on the soul, which is our decision-making center. It is where our mind, our emotions, and our will is found. It's within our soul. And there are such pressures upon our soul with regards to decision-making. And most of the time, because all of us are born as natural men and women, most of the pressure comes from our senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel. Our senses are very powerful things. And these things, by and large, are what empower us that cause us to think a certain way or to feel a certain way. And out of that thinking and feeling, we begin to make decisions. And can I just say this? And some of you know this, that you've made decisions out of your feelings and it just wasn't the decision to make, was it? It Wasn't anybody ever heard of impulse buying? Yeah, have you ever? I've done it. I've just walked in and I've just looked at something and I said, I want it. It doesn't matter whether I, I need it, I want it. doesn't matter what anybody else would say, I'm going to get it. It's just time to get it, I'm going to get it. That doesn't matter whether I can afford it or not, I'm going to get it. How many of you know that was not a good decision? What was empowering that thing? Well, it was probably an emotion or a thought or something's empowering you to make that type of decision. And so we've, we've begun to talk about how we got to shift from being influenced from our senses And begin to make decisions out of the inner man or out of the spirit portion of who we are. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. And the scripture tells us that we're to be led by the spirit. We're to be taught by the spirit. We're to be guided by the spirit. We're to exhibit the fruits of the spirit. All of these things come out of the inner man. And so we've got to begin to give God a chance, so to speak, in speaking to us and directing us out of that portion of our being. Now, tonight... Literally, the lesson is entitled, How to Make a Good Decision. Now, all of this is theory, and I don't even know that I'll use my whiteboard tonight, but all of this is theory until it all boils down into your life, into some form of practicality. It all sounds good, it's great counsel, but pastor, this has got to be practical, man, because I've got decisions I have to make. I make decisions every day, and I've got to figure out how to navigate some of these things because these are, these are some important crossroads, that I'm at. Well, I'm going to give you several things here practically. You can begin to do that, hopefully, will give God opportunity to speak to you, give God opportunity as, as you move through this to, to make His will known to you, make it plain. And, uh, you know, my heart is simply that we would increase the quality of your decision making. And if we can increase the quality of your decision making, then we'll increase the quality of your life. You know, it's, it, again, I'll just say it good decisions equal good life bad decisions equal bad life it's not deep but it's true so let's let's jump into it sometimes the decision that you're facing is not always obvious and easy so in order to navigate the issues of your senses and your inner man or your spirit influence on your soul as we mentioned the following is offered as a beginning place to evaluate the choices you're about to make so number 1 fill in the blank Is this decision you're about ready to make clearly stated within the context of Scripture? Scripture. Scripture is God's voice. Okay? Now, I I will get to the subjective issues of life because a lot of times we face certain subjective issues that there is no clear defining precept or statement in God's word. You know, I, I've used this before. If I'm going to work at Target or if I'm going to work at Walmart, it, you know, either one could be God or neither of them. It doesn't say go work in Walmart. It doesn't say that. So, so those are subjective things and we'll get to that in just a moment. But there are certain things in life that are not subjective. They're very objective. They're very concrete in Scripture. Many of God's views are firmly established directly or by precept in the Scripture. Now, Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick at anybody's scab. I'm not trying to pick at a wound or hurt. I'm not trying to open up a can of your past. I'm just, I'm just trying to use contemporary illustrations. You know, we all know that four out of seven people in our society get divorces. That's just statistically true. It doesn't matter whether it's in the church or out of the church. Now, there are people in this room, you've experienced a divorce. I understand there are reasons to get a divorce. I get it. There are even scriptural reasons. Uh, to get a divorce. So I understand these things. But you know, there are a lot of people who get divorces and they never consider what those reasons may be. All right? Now, you you say, well, I didn't know. Well, okay. You did not know. And, and, And so it happened and you can't go back. Genie's out of the bottle. The hand's already been played. You know, there's nothing you can do to change that. But you see, the key is we're not trying to go back and change decisions. We're trying to get you to make better ones in the future. Right? So you've got here's where we start. If you want to, if you're gonna have a quality life, then you've got to begin to understand the owner's manual. The Bible is not just a book that inspires me, it does that. It's not just a book that encourages me, it does that. It's not just a book that promises me things, it does that. But it is a book that is filled with precept and direction. It is filled with with how I'm wired, and I need to understand. This book, it's if I can understand, if I can begin to understand this book, I can change the quality of my life because this book promises me life and that more abundantly. It's from Jesus himself. This book says that I'll be the head and not the tail. I'll be above and not below. I'll lend and not borrow. The Bible says if the enemy comes against me one way, he'll scatter in seven. This book tells me that I'll be blessed in my barns and my baskets. My coming and my going, it says that i 'll not only have the blessing come upon me, but the scripture says it will overtake me. I'm, I want to live there. I do. everybody does, but here 's the deal: The deal is God says this is how you get to these points, and that 's why it is so critical. Now, all of us need teachers, and we need those that will help us understand this, as well as we ourselves being diligent to get a hold of what the precepts of this book is. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on this. This has really been burned inside of me lately, so I, I believe it's a word that I, I'm going to have taught sometime in the next weeks, maybe a few months. But, you know, the Scripture says, My people perish. For why? He didn't say the heathen perish, did he? My people perish for lack of knowledge. And, and the next part of that verse is, and hell has opened wide its throat. We have too many believers living hell. They're living literally in hell. Why is that? Well, because they don't know. Now, hear me. When, when, when God says this, he's not, he's not beating you up on this point. He's just simply saying, if you're ignorant, then it's time to get understanding get understanding and you'll begin to make better decisions to violate God's word is to make a bad decision. You wouldn't think I'd have to say that, would you? I've listened to people tell me before that the Lord's leading them to make a decision that clearly violates his scripture. Who's right that leading or this word? Who's right? Come on. Not a trick question. Word, obviously the word. Saying, well, what, 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 what's happening in them in them? in them? Then they're being led by a wrong spirit. If the spirit in you is telling you to do something different than this tells you to do, then this, this, this wins. Because this has stood the test of time. All right? I got to leave that. Number two, making good decisions. Have you established the will of God for your life? This is important. Have you established the will of God for your life? Why is this important? Many decisions are easily made once you have established God's will for your life. Think about it for just a moment. If, if you know that God's will is for you to be in a certain place at a certain time, in a certain city, I've had people say, it's God's will. I know it's God's will for me to be even at this local church at Legacy. And I'm always, you know, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm always hyped to hear that. And then a week later, God's led him four states away. Well, who am I? I mean, I you know, I, they said it was God. I don't. I mean, I, but, but here's the point: once you establish what God's will is, it begins to cut out of your life certain other decisions that are uh, bad for you. You see I don't when I go down the road I really I don't struggle I, there's a lot of things I just don't struggle over anymore I don't struggle over you know, I don't struggle over smoking or drinking. You know, I don't. I really don't struggle anymore about you know missing a lot of movies. I was really this last Christmas season. I was really wanting to go see some movies. You know, I'm not against movies, by the way. I was wanting to see some because I enjoy the holiday season. Our family likes to go and watch movies, and we always go to plugged in online and uh, try to figure out what it's all about before we pay our ten bucks and get snagged. You know, because they blaspheme my God fifty times in the in the, in the movie. So we try to figure this out before we get there. And there was nothing. I mean, I'm, I mean, maybe there was something, but there wasn't anything that I was interested in. And everything that looked interesting, you know, you'd scroll down and see they dropped the F-bomb 20 times. And, you know, this is really, this is what's great about knowing God's will for your life. I don't have to pray about that. Golly, that is no great consternation in my life. Because once you establish certain things as God's will for you, it makes a lot of decisions so easy. See, God's will for me is to be married until death do I part. See, that's God's will for my life. So that makes certain decisions easy in a relationship. In other words, we just never talk about divorce. Now, my wife will tell you she's fought murder or beatings or things like that. But never divorce. See, because it's, it's, it's an easy. See, what I'm saying life gets easier when you determine what is God's will for your life. Now, in letter B, does this does this contradict other decisions you said were the will of God? Does this contradict other decisions? You said we're the will of God. Now, I'm just asking you to be transparent and honest. If God led you to do one thing or say one thing or do one thing, and then you know, a week later you're doing the exact opposite thing, you've got to ask yourself, you missed God somewhere. Because God's not that double-minded. So you've got to start asking. I'm just telling you to stop for just a minute, and at least maybe it is God's will a week later to do something different, but at least have the temerity to say, you know, I, I, I missed it. And learn from that so you can, that from this point forward, not be, I guess, presumptuous or whatever it may be. Is this something that is God's will or simply something that I'm fixated on? A lot of people, you know, especially with regards to relationships and, and, and jobs and, and getting things, you know, they get so fixated on something and because their flesh wants it, they just, they just kind of drag God into it. And, and, and so, again, Ask yourself these questions. Is this really the Lord or am I just fixated on this thing because it's really something I want? And I'm going to quote that verse because I got me a verse. God's going to grant me the desires of my heart. That verse has accommodated more flesh in more people than any singular verse of the Bible because that's what I want. That's on my heart. Well, that may be, but do you understand the context of that verse is, is that you've got the heart of God. If you've got the heart of God, then he'll grant you the desires of your heart because you've got his heart. All right, I got to keep going. Number three. Do you have all the facts or as much information as you possibly can get? Do you have all the facts or as much information as you possibly can get? Luke 14, 28. It's a great passage. It talks about who, what king doesn't first sit down and count the cost before he goes into battle. And what that means is, is that He begins to look at everything, all the information, everything that's facing him. He looks at it all around him before he begins to make a decision as to whether this is something I should do or not. Now, I think that's good. I think you ought to have all the information you can get. I think it helps you pray better. I think it helps you understand better. I think it's going to help a little bit down the road here, even on our list when you look at a couple of other things. Now, having said that, I do know that sometimes people fall into what I call the paralysis of analysis. The paralysis of analysis. And what that is, is is that we become so analytical on something, we analyze the thing to death and we don't ever make a decision. We just are perpetual analyzers. And so there really is an important place of fact-gathering and making sure all the information you need is at your disposal. But at the same time, you, you, you can't keep being fixated on analyzing everything to the nth degree or just paralyzes you from ever doing anything or ever making a decision or ever going forward. Now, here in letter C, it says, If I choose to ignore some of the facts, have I clearly understood the possible problems? Now, you can gather all the facts. What I mean by this is you can gather up all this information... And sometimes, you know, you'll know the will of God or God will be speaking to you and you'll make a decision despite gathering all the facts. You know, on Sunday we talked about Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water. Now, if that was the decision you were going to make and you were analyzing the situation, how many of you know that the facts would have dictated to you that this might not have been the best time for a water walking experience? But yet he stepped out of the boat and a supernatural moment took place. Well, that's what God will do. And sometimes, despite what the facts are, uh, he'll still call you to do something in faith. But you need to understand that that's what you're doing. All right? And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing something that is, is kind of going against the grain of what, you know, might be the information coming to you, then I think it's important that at least you say to yourself, hey, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to intervene here because I'm, I believe I'm hearing your voice and I'm going to do your will. And everyone around me is probably going to look at me like I've lost my mind. But I'm, I'm going to go this direction, all right? That, that can and probably should happen on occasion in all of our life. Number four, just giving you some things that God uses in order to speak to us. Am I willing to accept the risks and rewards? How many of you know all of us like the rewards of a good decision? Amen. But there's risks to it as well. And I put down here, normally, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Ask yourself, what will this decision do to the quality of my life? Is there a consequence to the delay or the timing of this decision? I put that down there because... You know, there's not only the actual decision that you need to make with regards to what God is leading or asking you to do, but there's timing to everything. And I have found with God's dealing in my life that He'll talk to me, but before I I just quickly act on everything He says to me, I always have to run it through the filter of timing. (laughs) Because this is the, the important part I'm a creature of time, God lives in eternity. He is not bound by time. So, therefore, his concept, if I can use this term, of time is way different than mine. And you've heard me say this before. I, you know, because I have a death date out there somewhere. If Jesus comes, hallelujah, I'll pop out of here. But for the rest of us, if he, he tarries, all of us have a death date looming out there somewhere, do we not? We're going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. I hate to bring that up, but it's going to happen. And because of that, it it causes me to be finite. It causes me, well, well, I'll put it to you this way. If you're 20 years old and you're looking at life, you have a different concept of time than if you're 51 years old and you're looking at life or if you're 71 years old and you're looking at life because you, you know you have X amount of time that's remaining. And so for me, whenever God's talking to me, my natural disposition is let's get the show on the road. I'm 51, the average lifespan. Of course, I've already confessed I'm living into my 90s preaching the gospel. But that's still only, you know, 45 so years, right? That isn't a lot of time when you think about it. And in my mind, I'm always thinking about, well, how how long did it feel from like birth to 45? Well, that seemed like a pretty long time, so it's probably going to be pretty, you know, and this is just silly, crazy stuff I do in my head. But there's a timing to everything and for us because we're creatures that are finite and we know that there's this, this, this thing impending upon us out here. We want to help God by saying, God, if we get the show on the road, obviously we'll have, I'll have more time to do your will. See, we're always helping God, aren't we? Oh, come on, man. If you get on this, see, see, God, you don't, I, you're in eternity, you don't get it. If you just, if you just, if you get the show on the road, I let's just say you're going to give me till 96. Let's just say 96, man. 45 years. See, if you were to wait another decade, then I would only have 30, see, five years. See, I, see. God, I'm adding for you even. But you see, now I got 45 years, and 45 years doing your will is so much better than 35 years doing your will. And God's up there going, listen, I'm the one that redeems the time. I'm the one that restores the years. I'm the one that can make happen in a day what it would take man decades to do. There's a timing to everything. And so even as you're making a decision, you, you, you don't, don't let the world press you. Now, sometimes it is, maybe you have two jobs you're looking at and there's a, there's a, a time period that you've got to make a decision and that's, you know you, you, it's just the way it is. And I understand you've got to make a decision, but in as much as it is possible... I believe that you ought to consider what happens if we we jump out of God's timing in things. You know, everything, the Scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 3. I believe it's right around verse 9. And if it's not, somebody will call it out and correct me. This is what he says. He says, everything is beautiful in its time. I remember the first time I got revelation on that because what that said to me is, there are some things that are ugly because it's out of time. Do you understand you can get something really good and it can absolutely destroy you and not be the right thing when in another time it would be the perfect thing for you to have? And it's not a matter of, because they're, we're all crying out for God's promise and we want his destiny and we want, we want something from him. And it's just like, you know, it's the old story about the kid who's, you know, 12 years old and you throw him the car keys and tell him to take a spin in the car. and it's it's it, The car would bless him at 16, 17, 18 after he's been trained and prepared and he took the test and the state validated him and he got his license and now he's ready to go and he can be a blessing with that car but if you throw the keys to him at 12 years old, that car will kill him. Everything is beautiful in its time. Time. And so I always try to remember the reason God doesn't perhaps throw me the keys to destiny or the destiny I think he ought to throw me. It may be because I haven't been down to the DMV yet. Taking the test. He doesn't want me to put that key in the ignition and start it up because it killed me. we got to want things in his time. So realize that when you're making decisions, timing is everything. Number five, have I presented this to any, and hopefully you have, a spiritual authority or receive wise counsel. I honestly believe that's why spiritual authority is in our life. One of the things I like about being under authority, and I can pick up the phone and I'll talk to Pastor Rod, is because, and it's a blessing for me, I get to learn from his pain. Isn't that cool? I, first thing sometimes, I'll ask him something and something will come out of himself. Yeah, I, I did that one time, Kevin, and I, I wish I'd never done that. I tell you, this, this happened and that happened, and that's all I need to hear. I go, thank you, sir. And I just, I just gleaned from his pain. Bounce it off spiritual authority. Now, the, the Scripture says this. It's interesting what the Scripture says. Proverbs 15 and 22. If you have your Bibles, I, I'd forgotten to read any Scripture, so it wasn't a legitimate message yet, was it, until I read some Scripture. Proverbs 15 and 22 says this. It says, uh, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And I put down here the true meaning of counselors. A counselor is someone who has the capacity to really speak truth to you. Now, I'm not saying they won't be an encouragement and they, and they can't be a cheerleader, or, or, or and they should be. But, but understand, I've, just, I've been around people so many years, I know this. Most of the time, when we're making a decision and we've already decided what we really want, we find the voices that will only confirm what we want. Isn't that true? If I call them, now I know no one will admit that out loud right now, but inside we're going, oh, but if I call them, ah, they're going to ask me some hard questions. If I call them, they're an exhorter. You know, they'll, they'll just rah-rah me on. So I'll call them because there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And what's happened is, is that you've not really got good counsel. And so let her be here, I put, am I only seeking confirmation or am I willing to accept a challenge? You know, if you're convinced you know the will of God, do you really think a man's question is going to stop that from happening? If you're convinced you've got a hold of God's plan or direction and you bounce it off, some folk that you know might look at it from a different angle and might throw some things out that might challenge you in that regard? Do you think that that really is going to stop God from bringing to pass His will in your life? Can I just share this with you? I honestly believe if you'll, just, if you'll give it to someone who's, a gen, who's genuinely concerned, who genuinely loves, but who will genuinely speak the truth to you, there's nothing more peaceful than to hear The words out of someone's mouth like that when they say, you know, I think you've got the will of God here. Isn't that true? It has been for me. So, have you presented this? Now, you don't have to present every little decision to authority. I mean, there's thousands of decisions we make. But I'm talking about the big one, the game changers, the life changers, the the major directional things. I mean, I'd bounce it off someone uh, before you just stumbled, you know, into your future? Have I presented this to any spiritual authority? Did it bear witness to anyone else? Do you know that the Bible says that every fact is established on the testimony of two or three? You know what that means is it means that it ought to bear witness to a couple people around you and it can be established as the will of God. Number six, everyone will like this one. Does my spouse agree? Because some of us in here are married and we have families. And, you know, if I was a single guy again and I was making decisions, I mean, I could I could be just a real adventurer, a radical adventurer for the Lord. But, you know, if I jump off a cliff, I'm carrying a few people with me. I am. If I make a dumb decision, it affects some folks behind me. Can I just say this? If I make some dumb decisions, it affects all of you. Isn't that true? Now, I'm just telling you. That's why I want to make quality decisions. Now, I don't make perfect, but I I can't make just real stupid, stupid decisions because there's a lot of people that get affected by me. And and truth is, it is for you too. I'm talking to the guys, those of you there that are married and have families, man. I mean, your decisions affect your wives, your children. Uh, I mean, uh, ladies, you, you know, while biblically... You know, God defines the man as the head of the household, but truth be told, you can make decisions as well that have rippling effects into the household. Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? The point of the passage is this, that in order to go forward and there's two people involved, or at least two people, there has to be some level of agreement. I believe there is power in unity. And there is power in agreement. The Scripture says that if any two agree on earth as touching it in heaven. What is the end of the verse? It shall be... That's that's power. There's power in unity and there's power in agreement. Now, I know that there can be occasions, and, and I'm going to underscore the word occasions, where there's a decision that has to be made in the household and there may be a legitimate difference of opinion And I would always look at a couple and I would say this, listen, you guys got to get on your knees together and you got to begin to pray. And the best thing is for you two to pray together, to find the place of unity. But if you can't find that place together, then, then I believe the Bible does teach that when a decision has to be made, it can by default trip to the head of the household. But again, guys, I'm just telling you that doesn't mean you just get your way. The point of the scripture is, is that you're the one that should be holding the will of God. God. For the household, the wife and the children ought not be sitting back there going, oh, God, dad's about ready to crash. I'm just close your eyes, kids. This isn't going to be pretty. All right. So don't say don't because people guys and I know how this works. Guys, guys, here, guys, here the authority passages and they're the head of the house and they're the king of their castle. And that means I get my way and everybody does what I want done. Listen, you don't you don't understand authority. Authority means that you, you are the last stop for God's will. You need God's will. You're the carrier a lot of times of God's will. It's not just what I want, it's what does God want. And, and when we stand before our family, it's not just saying, this is what I want to do. You've got to be able to look at a family if, if there's this kind of discussion going on and be able to say with a straight face and not manipulating scripture, I believe this to be the will of God for our household. We're going to walk in it. And, and, and you know what? Ultimately, if, if you're there, it, it would seem to me that you would have probably the type of influence that could bring unity into this situation anyway. But it is important to ask the question as we make these decisions: um, Does my spouse agree? And, and you know what? I don't think it's oftentimes bad to let the kids input things and just at least let hear them. Doesn't mean I'm going to do what they say. Just means they, they like to be heard too. Doesn't let them let them speak. A lot of times I've been amazed through the years how I've heard God's voice through my children and my wife. Holy Spirit will use those people, guys. Talk to us. Number seven, what exactly in all this is going to take faith and or courage? Without fail, almost every God decision will involve these two elements, faith and courage. In fact, I don't think you can walk in faith unless you exhibit courage. In Joshua chapter one, I won't read to you that whole passage, but over and over again, the voice of the Lord comes to Joshua as they're about ready to go into the promised land. Over and over again, he says, be of good courage. Be it strong. Uh, Verse 6, he says that. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Um, Verse 9, he says it again. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. And when you make a decision, I mean, to me, this is how I make a decision. I just, I just, I don't go in with timidity. I just say, I'm going in. And, you know, win, lose, draw, Whatever, I'm I'm going in and I'm believing God. So, will it entail faith and courage? The answer is yes. And so get ready to exhibit that. And then finally, number eight, I put down here, do I have peace in my spirit? I'm going to elaborate on this just for a moment as well. Number eight, do I have peace in my spirit? I want you to notice how I wrote that. I didn't say, did you have peace of mind, did I? In fact, Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Didn't say rule in your mind. Didn't say rule in your emotions. Said let it rule in your heart. Heart, again, being synonymous with your inner man, with your spirit. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule actually means let it call the shots. Or in other words, let it be the umpire. Let it be the umpire in your life. Let the peace of God be the umpire in your life. Where's my peace? Now, the reason I'm going to elaborate on this is because this is the part <clears throat> that sometimes people get confused. Because we're looking for peace of mind. We think to ourselves, if I don't, if, 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 if I feel uneasy or if I feel a little timid or if I'm if, if if I'm feeling in my emotions scared or in my mind, I've got all these thoughts whizzing around in my mind, and I'm, maybe I'm even feeling a little double-minded here and there, and, but I'm, I'm fighting it and working on it, and I've got these things going. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I don't have my peace. Now, listen to me carefully. That's not where you find your peace. You can't start just in your mind or in your emotions. you got to start in your heart, because they're there is a place where you can begin to distinguish between your emotions and 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 your cognitive faculties and with your inner man that there can be something in your heart that resonates, yes. And it gives you a peace. All the while, your mind can be just tormenting you with saying, I don't know about this. and And your feelings going, I don't know about this. And so that's why it's so critically important that we begin to understand how God works in our spirit. In fact, the scripture says that his spirit bears witness with what? Our spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. And again, through the years, you know, I've spoke counsel to people, I've prophesied to people, I've I've, I've given wisdom to people, and sometimes they've looked at me and said, well, you know, Pastor, that just doesn't bear witness with my spirit. Now, that might be true. I, I'm not 100% in everything that comes out of my mouth. That may be true. Can I just share this with you? That a lot of times I'll share something and when people hear it, they just let it go to their mind or they let it go to their emotions and they never once consider what's bearing witness in their heart. Because you see, my job isn't to make it make sense in your mind, or, nor is it just to make it feel good in your emotions. The job is, do these words witness in your spirit? And once they bear witness in your spirit, it is there God will release in the center of your being. Because I still see those three circles up here. I'm just, they're emblazoned in here. They're in the center. That's where God speaks. That's where his peace will come. That's where he lives inside of you. The Prince of Peace is there. And when you hear his voice, like perhaps tonight, maybe something was said tonight that just all of a sudden just resonated in you. Something inside of you said, no, now I get it, now I understand. And it wasn't just here, but there was something inside that leapt out. See, that's God in you leaping out to the truth of his word. And it's bearing witness in your spirit that it's truth. That's how peace happens. I've been in a lot of Tumultuous, crazy circumstances where I'll just tell you, my mind was and my emotions, and yet inside I, I knew God was saying, Just be steady. It's gonna be okay. Just just hold on, it's gonna be alright. You just keep walking this way, my son, you'll get to the end. The whole time you're going to be steady. Be steady, be steady. See, that's what we've got to learn. We've got to learn not to walk by our flesh, not to walk by the natural man, but we've got to begin to learn to walk by the spirit. Now, uh, next week, of course, we're going to be in conference. And um, next time we pick this up, I'm gonna. I'm gonna begin to explain to you how you begin to distinguish that. How do I? How do I know? How do I know if this is God or this isn't God? How do I begin to even make these type of distinctions? How do I know? How do I know I just don't have indigestion and and I'm just upset? How do I? How do I? How do I, how do I Pastor, help me. It will help us. Which blank was that? Peace is the umpire in your life to make the call. Six B, I left a blank. There's power in unity. Sometimes the head must make the final call, but you should strive for unity. Did I miss any more? All right. It's hard to keep me on my notes. (laughs) Hey, stand with me, will you? I'm going to pray for you right now.